Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. We are on week number three of our series where we are answering perhaps the most important question in all of life. What on earth am I here for? Why do I exist? What is my purpose on this big blue marble? Uh, If you've been with us, you know that this series involves more than just a Sunday message. Uh, It involves midweek groups. It involves a reading plan as we're all reading the What on Earth Am I Here For book. Involves a DVD, a study guide, a lot that goes into it, all of it answering the same question, what on earth am I here for? I hope this has been a good study for you. I hope that you have been a self-feeder, reading part of that plan, investing in yourself, in your group, and investing in other people as well. Last week, we unpacked our first purpose, and we said that in order to understand or discover your purpose, it begins by discovering the nature of God, that if you discover who God is, that you can begin to discover your first purpose, or what on earth are you here for? Scripture tells us that God is in nature, that the essence of God is love, not that God just shows love. God just does not give love, that God actually is love. He is the nature of love. He is the substance or the essence of love. This means that everything God created was created in love and is loved by the creator God. Everything that God has created, God loves. There is nothing that God created that God does not love. Every tree, every plant, every being, every animal, every human being, there has never been anything that God created that God does not love. Ephesians 1 says this, Even before he made the world, God loved us. Now think about that just for a moment. Before anything was created, before anything was spoken into existence, God loved us. Before you were even conceived, Scripture tells us that God already knew of you and God already loved you. That is an amazing picture to me. It is not a stretch, therefore, to say that God made the universe so he could make our solar system, so he could make the planet Earth, so he could make the human race, so he could make you, so he could love you. You, we said, you, your first purpose, your first purpose is to be loved by God. Your first purpose is not to serve God. Your first purpose is not to trust God. It's not to obey God. Your first purpose in life is not even to love God. Your first purpose in life is to allow God to love you. If you're wondering, what on earth am I here for? Here is your first purpose. You have been created to be loved by God. What a beautiful picture. This is why Jesus put on flesh and walked among us, to demonstrate the love of God, the love love that God has for his creation. If you want to embrace love, if you want God to love you, the first step is to embrace the love that he showed us by giving us his son, Jesus Christ. For all of you struggling with the relationship with God, understand something powerful. You were not created to do something. You were first created to receive something. You were created to receive the love of God. You were created to have a relationship with God. Meaning that your first and primary calling is not to be his servant. It's not to be his soldier fighting battles of good and evil in the world. It's not to be his warrior for righteousness. It's not to be his worker. It's not to be his employee. It's not to be his minion. It's to be his son. 
It's to be his daughter. It's to be part of his family because you were created to be loved by God. All right, so we're going to continue with our question, what on earth am I here for? Today we're going to unpack our second purpose. Before we do that, I want to show you some famous families on television. Here's a family I have a lot in common with, just so much in common. Anyone? Who are they? Come on, the Kardashians, right. I I know them well. Uh, Starting from left to right, I'll give you their names. There's Kardashian number one, and then next to her is number two. Uh, I really have no idea who they are. Here's a family that I have much more in common with. Go to the next one. There's a family. Now, I can relate to this family, all right? We've had family photos that look very similar to something like that. Here's my favorite family on television right now. I don't know if any blackish fans here. One of the best sitcoms on television, if you ask me, the history that they weave into this thing, uh, into this show, is uh, quite impressive. Uh, and so some famous families, but let me give you one other if I can. Let me show you one other famous. Can you swap me over there? Are we not hot? Let's see. Yeah, here's one other famous family, if I can just... All right, so, so there, now that, all right, now here's the thing. Okay, now, maybe, maybe we're not famous, but Scripture does say that we're a family. So maybe we're not a famous family. You can, yeah, I think you, can, you can just get all those pictures off because if it was on, they're going to be studying themselves and that will that'll co- cause problems. Maybe we're not a famous family, but Scripture says that we are a family. And this is where we begin to discover our second purpose in life and what, are, what we're called to. What on earth am I here for? You have been created to be loved by God. And your second purpose is you have been created to belong. You have not only been created to be loved, but you have been created to belong. You are called to God's family. And we're going to unpack this today. Look at Ephesians 1. It says, so God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It has always been God's desire to adopt you or to bring you into his family. You were created to belong to God's family. Now think about that for a moment. You were created to belong, and it gives God great pleasure to call you into his family. I am called, you are called to belong. Belonging is a fundamental human need. Um, from a very early age, we are trying to answer the question, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Where are my people? Where, where, where is my space? We all struggle with it. Studies show that in order for us to function optimally, at the core of our very existence is a basic psychological need to relate to, to care for, and be cared for by other people. The need to belong is so deeply rooted in our psyche that the threat of rejection conjures reactions that are similar to those of physical pain. Our need to belong is that strong. Some will remain in an unhealthy, abusive relationship because the pull to belong is so strong. They'd rather belong somewhere than belong nowhere. You've been hardwired with the desire to belong. 
And I don't think it's by accident. I think it has been placed there by our creator. You were designed to belong. Early on in the creation story, what are we told? We're told that it's not good for us to be alone because we were designed to have other people around us. We were designed to belong. So God not only designed you to belong, but God meets the need by providing a space for you to belong. Not only does God place the desire in you, not only does he place the need in you, but then God provides a space for you to belong. Look at Ephesians 1 again. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. You are alive today. If you're asking your question, what on earth am I here for? You are alive today to be loved by God. And because God loves you, he did not want you to be an orphan. And so he invited you into, he adopted you into his family. Right? Now catch the, catch the picture of what's happening here. If you want to know why you're alive, Scripture begins to unpack this, that you were created to be loved. And because you're loved, God does not want you to be alone, and so God adopts you. does not want you to be an orphan, so he adopts you into his family. And what is the family of God? Well, look at 1 Timothy 3. He says, I am writing to you so that you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God. The family is the church. What on earth am I here for? You are created to be loved, to have a relationship with God. You are created to belong. The love of God has invited you, adopted you into the family of God. And what is the visible representation of God's family on earth? We are the visible representation of God's family here on earth. You have been created to belong to God's family. I'm going to unpack that. Look at Ephesians 2, 9, 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that the family is all-inclusive, right? Gentiles were seen as outcasts. They were seen as second-class citizens. And Paul's elevating them, giving them an equal playing field, putting them on an equal level with the Jews who saw themselves above the Gentiles. And Paul says, no, 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 in God's family, we are all equal. So he says, you are no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners. But look what he says in the last part of verse 19. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people, and you are members of God's family. Turn to the person next to you and say, welcome to the family. (laughs) No, I wouldn't. That's cheesy. I wouldn't. But you could if you want to. If you get anything out of today, get this. The love of God is calling you to be a part of the family of God as sons and daughters of God. Look at 1 John 3. It says, see what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us that that we would be named and called and counted the children of God and so we are. Hey, have you answered the call of God to be a child of God today? Have you answered the call of God to be a son of God, to be a daughter of God? Because the invitation is presented before you even now. The cross of Jesus is spread out, offering forgiveness of sins and reconciliation to God. The tomb is empty. Jesus conquered the grave so that his life might become your life and you could be brought into the family of God. Now, what I want us to do with the rest of the time we have left, I want us to kind of explore the benefits of being part 
uh, of the family of God or the church. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 18. He says, upon this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now what I want to drive home is the triumphant authority of this promise. When you look at this passage, this is Jesus speaking. Who's building his church? Jesus is building his church, right? This thing that we're a part of today was established by Jesus himself. If you wonder what Jesus has been doing ever since he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He hasn't been sitting around playing video games. He's not waiting for a trumpet blast to come back to earth. He's been building his church. That's what he's been about, building his church. The church has been established and sustained by Jesus since day one. And so Jesus is currently active in building his church. See, your faith is personal, but your faith was never supposed to be private. The church, the construction of the church was in part for your benefit because spiritual growth is a group activity. Did you hear what I said? Spiritual growth is a group activity. And God, who created you to love you, also created you to belong and knew that you would need a family to belong to because something happens in a family dynamic. We grow together. We are on this faith journey together. And so Jesus builds his church because faith is best when it's a shared commodity. Your faith is personal, but your faith is not meant to be private. Your faith is meant to be shared Right? There's, a, there, there's, a, there's a mutual benefit that occurs within the church that God has invited you to belong to. Now the Bible refers to the church using many different metaphor, metaphors, a family, a temple, a body, a flock. We're going to look at three of them today uh, as we kind of jump in. The first one we've already discussed, Scripture talks about the church as a family. And in God's family, I learn my true identity. In other words, in a family, you learn who you have been created to be. There are a lot of things that play a part in forming your identity, but nothing has the potential to form your identity more than relationships. Good or bad, relationships play that key of a role. Today, your identity has largely been formed out of the relationships that you have been born into and the relationships that you have given yourself to. In other words, I am a grandson, I am a son, I am a father, I am a husband, I am a brother, I am a friend, I am a team member, I am a group member, I am a pastor, I am an employer, I am an employee of the church. All of these relationships have played a role in defining who I am. One of the benefits of a healthy family is we learn who we are, right? We're taught who we are. Children are largely developed their sense of self based upon the environment that they grew up in. Now, before we go too far down this road, we all have something in common. None of us grew up in a perfect family, okay? All of us, some of you are like, yeah, tell me about it. All of us have some dysfunction in our family. Now, you may have not known it's a dysfunction because growing up, it's all you've ever known, and when it's all you ever know, it seems normal to you. But if you got married, one day you said, I do, and your spouse looked at your family and said, oh, I don't right? And that was your first clue to realize that maybe my family isn't quite normal. Maybe my family is a little bit on the dysfunctional side. And that is the reality. All of our families are slightly irregular. All right? Yeah. That's, that could be a good thing. could be a bad thing, depending how irregular. All of our families are slightly irregular. And so what does that mean? It means that we have learned some great things from our families, 
but it also may mean that there's some things we need to unlearn from our families. Now remember, we're talking about the family or the church of God and how it is in here that we discover our true identity, who God created us to be. Ephesians gives us great news. Did you catch it in the very last part of that Ephesians 2.19? It says, you are members of God's family. In other words, your family of origin does not have the final word in who you are. Now, you may have had a great family, you may have had a messed up family. Regardless, your family of origin does not have the final word as to who you are. It is not the final word in defining who you are because you have been adopted, you have been called, you have been placed, you have been created to be in God's family, a permanent family. This means that our spiritual family, the church, hear me on this one, our spiritual family, as we're talking about the the church as a metaphor for the family, The church has a role in each of us discovering who we've been created to be. That means as part of the church, you play a role in me finding my identity. And I play a role in you finding your identity. That together we discover who we've been created to be. You know the vision of the church, find God, find others, find yourself. That find yourself is discovering who God created you to be. Find your identity. Stop living off of someone else's vision, someone else's dreams, someone else's goals for your life, and begin to live off of God's vision for your life. And in a family, we find our identity, and in the church family, we should be finding our true identity or who we have been created to be. And so we'll unpack that just, just, just a little bit. Understand something, though. Just like earthly families can be dysfunctional, the spiritual family can be a little dysfunctional as well. So I'm gonna, let me save you some time if you're new with us. We are a dysfunctional family, okay? Let me just say it, all right? Different levels of dysfunction, but we're all in various stages of recovery, amen? All of us are in various stages of recovery. I don't care where you've been, what your life has been through, you are recovering from something. You are being transformed into the image of Christ. That's where all of us find ourselves. And so if you're new with us, I'll just let you know up front, as I said a couple weeks ago, we are beautiful and we are a mess. We're a beautiful mess. We're beautimous. Remember when I said that? We are a beautiful mess. And so my advice is if you're looking for the perfect family, you know, spiritual family or physical family, you're never going to find it. Now Bonhoeffer, great theologian, uh, he wrote this uh, in a book called Life Together. He said this, He who loves his dream of community, or we could say their dream of what the church family should be, more than the community itself becomes a destroyer of the Christian community. Here's what he says. Your dream of what the church should be, your dream, your your ideal dream of how the church should be, what the church should feel like, what the church should be like, that if you have unrealistic expectations on your church family, you become a destroyer of the family. That's strong right there. Hey, you know what else you could plug in? Just as a side note, this is free. You could plug that into the community of marriage. That he who loves his dream of marriage more than the marriage itself becomes a destroyer of the Christian marriage. Right? Because sometimes we come in with unrealistic expectations and we place rules and expectations on people that they cannot possibly ever meet. And so what Bonhoeffer is saying here is that, is that understand that we are a family, but we're flawed. We're a little dysfunctional. Every family has that one crazy member, right? right? Now think through your family around the dinner table. 
Can you think who that crazy family member was? If you can't think of it, you're it. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying. And so in the church family, if you can't think of who that fam- crazy family member is, you're it. Welcome. We're a beautiful mess, right? So <clears throat> if reveal is your church family, don't be ashamed of your family. Embrace the mess. There's beauty in it. Listen, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews says about the family. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. Other translations say belong to the same family. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. An amazing, amazing imagery. You got any siblings that you're ashamed of? If they're here, don't nod or don't say anything. Right? But here, here's the beauty of that Jesus isn't ashamed of us. Jesus is not ashamed of us because we're part of his family, right? He's called us to be part of himself. Listen, this is one of the great things about being part of the family of God is that your sin does not define you anymore. Do you hear me? Your sin does not define you in this family. Now, yes, you've sinned, and yes, you've messed up, but that is no longer your defining characteristic. In other words, if, if, if um, in certain 12-step programs, they have you know, a saying, if we were there, I would say, hi, my name is Marty, and I'm an alcoholic. Let me put a different spin on that a little bit, uh, if, if, if you're a child of God. It, it would be, hi, my name is Marty, and I'm a child of God who struggles with alcohol. Do you see the slight little flip there? is that my identity is not in being an alcoholic. My identity is in Jesus Christ. And this is the beauty of the family of God, that your past does not define you here. Yeah, we all have issues. We all have our past. But the past is the past. We are now defined as sons and daughters of God. And that is worth celebrating. Matter of fact, amen to that. Matter of fact, we're going to celebrate this in two weeks, put that artwork up, because we're going to have a baptism celebration here on March 10th during both of our morning services. We'll put the baptismal right here up on the stage, and during worship, we're going to celebrate the changed lives of those who are confessing, making their declaration that they are followers of Jesus. Maybe there's an opportunity for you. It's celebrating that your past does not define you. Baptism is one of the ways that you declare that you are part. Listen, you are part of God's family. Baptism is one of the ways that you declare that I have accepted the call to be part of God's family. I said yes to Jesus. It's one of the ways that we acknowledge that my past is my past and my sin no longer defines me. Scripture gives the imagery of being buried with the death of Christ and being raised as we come out of the water, associating ourselves, not with their old person, but with the new person, raised to life in Jesus Christ. Baptism is your declaration that I am all in with God. My old life is gone. I am a new being, and I am not ashamed to be part of the family. Maybe this is your opportunity. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you recently made a commitment to follow Jesus and here's your opportunity to go public with your faith. Maybe you've recently recommitted yourself to Jesus and you're thinking, you know what, I need to rededicate myself and I I need to kind of make that step. I've had my time of wandering and I've recently come back. Maybe that's your opportunity as well. So if you're interested, 
Sign up through the bulletin. We do need your t-shirt size for that. And on the 10th, we will have a celebration. Don't delay. We only have two weeks uh, in order to pull this together. And so I hope you will play a part, uh, that we get to play a part uh, in that spiritual step for you. All right, so the first metaphor is the church is a family. The second metaphor God uses is that the church, it's a temple. And just like in the church family, we discover our identity. In the church as a temple, we find support with others. Now, First Peter switches the metaphor from the church being a family into the church being a temple or a building. Listen to what it says, First Peter 2. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Now, understand something. Scripture is not talking about a physical location. Okay, it's a metaphor. Scripture is not talking about a physical temple. It's not talking about a physical building. It's not talking about the four walls that you're in right now. It's talking about a spiritual building that is taking place. That God's building something, but he's building something spiritual, not a physical location. And then it goes on to say, and you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. So not only is Jesus the cornerstone, the, the firm foundation stone of what he's building. But now they kind of change it a little bit and say that you are also a living stone. That you are a living building block that God is using. God is building something and he's not using wood. He's not using metal. He's using people. You are a living stone that God is building into a living temple. Do you understand that? You are being called to belong, and when you say yes, God places you as a living Lego into building his spiritual temple or his church. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? Here's what Paul would be saying. Hey, do you realize that all 200 plus of us in this room right now, you are the temple of God? You are a spiritual living building block that God is fitting together, piecing together to build his temple, his church. Not a physical location, right? A spiritual building is what he's doing. Look at Ephesians 2, 19, 21. So you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. We read this earlier. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are a member of God's family. Listen to verse 20. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. There it is again, Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. You are called to belong. You're called to belong to a family, and you're called to belong to a temple. God building us together into a spiritual place of worship. Now, when we were constructing this place not too long ago, we moved in in July of 17, there was all kinds, all kinds of construction material everywhere. Uh, metal and pipe and wood, AC ductwork, everything was everywhere. Uh, but just because something was in the building did not mean it was part of the building. Understand. Just because it was in the building didn't mean it was part of the building. It didn't become part of the building until it was connected to the rest of the building and the building and when it is connected finds strength and support to do what the building needs to do 
Why did God choose the temple or a building as an illustration for his church? Several reasons, but one is because all of the connected parts support one another. And this is the second benefit that you get from being called into the family of God. The church should be where you find support. The church is and should be where you find a structure and you find other people that will hold your life together because we're not designed to do this alone. Listen, at some point, you will need someone to hold you up. At some point in life, you will need someone to support you. You will need someone to hold your life together because your life will be falling apart. That is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom to saying, I am, I am connecting myself to a family that when life comes against me, someone will be there to hold me up. When life comes against someone, you'll be there to hold them up. When my children were younger, they loved to play with Legos. Uh, Legos have one uh, one purpose, and it is to connect. And if you do not connect a Lego, they are worthless, good for nothing except for hiding in the carpet, waiting for you to step on it some night when you go to the bathroom, right? But if you connect the Legos together, have you seen some of the stuff they build? It's amazing, right? And, but the Lego has a purpose. Listen, listen, listen. You are God's Lego. You are his living Lego. And he's trying to fit you together with other Legos into building his spiritual temple. We benefit from one another. Look at Romans 1. I long to see you, Paul says, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong, support, right? We're stronger together. But then he switches a little bit. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged. In other words, words, I just don't strengthen you. You strengthen me. We strengthen each other. Right? We're just not part uh, of a building uh, because you're in the building. You're part of the temple when you're connected to the temple. Are you connected to the family, the metaphor of the temple? Are you connected? And then the last one, and we'll go through extremely quickly, is the church is a flock. And in a flock, I am protected and cared for. Listen to Psalm 100. It says, Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, I wish God used a different animal to describe us, but in his wisdom, he used sheep. Not the smartest of animals. They have no natural defense against predators. Here's the thing about sheep is they rely on the shepherd and sheep rely on the community. And that's how a sheep survives. And so there's some wisdom in what God is doing here. And to how he repeatedly refers to us as sheep. Because sheep need a shepherd. Look what Jesus says in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, I, I am your good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so if Jesus is our shepherd, maybe being sheep isn't all that bad. The family that you're called into. You're called into a family. You're called into a temple. You're called into a flock. But hear me as we close. Jesus is not the only shepherd in the flock, that Jesus establishes other men and women who will look after and care for the sheep in the flock. And we have numerous men and women who are shepherds. You know, when Scripture talks about pastor, it's really just talking about being a shepherd, looking after, caring for, loving, investing in, being a shepherd of the sheep. Now, here's what I want you to understand. 
shepherding the flock is more a position of function than it is of title. Now, I'm going to unpack that for you. Shepherding the flock is more a position of function than it is of title. You see, I've known people who had the title of shepherd, but they weren't shepherding. They had the title of a small group leader. They have the title of a pastor. They had the title of a leader. They had a title of an elder. They had a title of a deacon, but they weren't shepherding. And then I've known other people who had no title, and yet they shepherded everyone. Shepherding, pastoring, leadership is a position of function, not a position of title. So here's what that means. Some of you, you have the title of shepherd. You have to ask yourself, am I shepherding? Our regroup leaders, are you shepherding? Our uh, uh, ministry leaders, are you shepherding? Our leaders in our groups in our children's ministry and youth, are you shepherding? See, there are some of you that have the title of shepherd, but it's questionable whether or not you're shepherding. And then there are some of you, as you have no title, but I see it, you're already shepherding people. And so let me release you. As Reveal continues to grow, our base needs to expand, and we need more men and women who are willing to step into the role of a shepherd, to step into the role of a pastor. And so if you have the heart of a shepherd, do not wait for me to give you the title of shepherd. Start to function as a shepherd. I'm releasing you to do that. I'm releasing you to find some people in this local flock and begin to shepherd them, begin to care for them, begin to love them, begin to check in on them, begin to ask how is the problem going that we talked about last week, I was praying for you, begin to shepherd the people that God sends to you. Hey, at one point, maybe at some point you'll be recognized with the title, who knows, honestly, who cares? Can I be honest with you? I shepherded long before I was ever given a title. I had, there was just something in me, on me. I'm releasing you to shepherd in this church without a title. You can care for people. You can love people. You can support them. You can make sure they're safe, and you can provide a safe environment. As we grow, we need to increase that base of shepherds that are caring for people because the reality of it is is we are already too big for me to be your only shepherd. And if you're expecting me to be your shepherd when life hits the fan, I'm just going to tell you up front, I'm going to let you down. I don't have the physical strength to do it. We're already too big. I can't be your shepherd. I can, I can be your, you know, overlooking the entire church. I can sow into other shepherds. But at some point, you're going to have to allow other people to shepherd you. Because we're, look, I mean, look around. The next service will be this full. I can't do it for everyone. And so for Reveal to be healthy, we need more men and women who will step into the role of shepherd, step into the role of pastor, and it is a function of acting more than it is of title. So here's what I close with. My question to you. Who's looking out for you in the flock? My question to you is, who are you looking out for in the flock? Do you have some shepherds around you? Are you a shepherd to other people? What does that look like for you? Your first purpose in life is you were created to be loved. Your second purpose in life is that you were created to belong to God's family. You were called, adopted 
into his family. And what is the physical expression of God's family here on earth? It is his local church. I've told you before, if reveal isn't it for you, I'll help you find a church where you can say, this is my family. It's that important that you find your local family because you were created to belong. You were created to have a space, created to have a family, to know your identity, to know what you've been created for. The church is a temple where we develop stability. We stand under pressure. We find support. The church is a flock where we surround ourselves with people who will look out for us, and we look out for them. What on earth am I here for? You are called to be loved. You are called to belong. Amen? Stand with me, church. Let's pray. Continue with your reading. Continue with your group time. Continue to invest in yourself. We'll continue next week. Hey, the 10th, big baptism. Right? Coming up Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. It's a watery grave. Tickets on sale at Ticketmasters. Right? March 10th. Don't forget. All right? If you've never been baptized, here's an opportunity for you. I'd love to play a role in that spiritual, your next spiritual step. If you've recently recommitted, uh, maybe you want to be baptized, sign up through the bulletin. Give us your t-shirt size, and we'll have a big celebration on the 10th. Let's pray. Lord, um, I want to thank you that you created us because of love and created us to have a relationship with you and then you provided for us uh, to have that relationship through Jesus Christ, through the cross, through the resurrection. And so we want to embrace that. We want to embrace the forgiveness of sins. And so we invite you, Jesus, to come in and take the seat of honor in our lives. We ask for the forgiveness of the things that we have done wrong. We step out from under condemnation and guilt because you do not place that upon us. We step out from under that and we embrace forgiveness. We embrace love. We embrace adoption. That you created us to love us and then out of your love you did not want us to be orphans and so you have called us to be part of your family. And right now you are building this family. And you are taking men, women, children, you're taking living spiritual blocks and fitting us together into something quite beautiful, your church. Lord, for the flock, raise up more pastors, raise up more shepherds who would look after the flock, who would invest in the lives of other people. Let us not only be invested in, let us invest in others. And for some, there are some here who have a a shepherd's heart, I release you. I release you to shepherd the family of God, the flock of God. This week, let us experience more of your love and your kindness and your favor, more of your purpose in our lives, we pray, as we dedicate ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, church, God bless you. Look forward to seeing you back next week. We'll continue the series. If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you down here. Uh, If you need prayer, we'll have someone pray for you. God bless.